0: Hi, it's Maria here and welcome to Episode 9 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. My guest today is Lucy Cullerton. To give you an idea of Lucy's popularity, in 2014 Sydney's Mossman Art Gallery held an exhibition called Eye of the Beholder, which was a survey of Lucy's work um, up to that date and which contained about 130 paintings. There were about 20,000 visitors to that show. And to give you an idea of the breadth of the subjects of her paintings, this year she was named as a finalist in all three Archibald Wynne and Sulman Prizes, which are for portraiture, landscape and genre painting. I met Lucy at her property in the small town of Luke in southern New South Wales. As always, all the paintings we talk about have been posted on the website TalkingWithPainters.com. I started by asking Lucy about where she grew up and what influences she had in the home in an artistic sense. OK, I grew up in Hornsby, or Mount Collar, actually, um, born in Hornsby Hospital, and I, my mum was an art teacher and my father was in television, so that's Steph and Tony. And Steph stopped teaching when she had me and Anna. I'm a bit older than my sister, Anna, mm-hmm. And we were absolutely um, encouraged to make art by them. And my, I had a grandmother who also always you have Christmas time, and you'd get your present, and it'd be a hunk of clay and you'd think, Oh, oh that's, yeah. well, you think it's a bit boring actually, <laughs> uh, but then you know a couple of weeks later, you get out your clay and you make something. So yeah, that was really yeah. good. And always colored pencils like just kept us up, you know, with things to do. Um Mount Collar was on the bush and when I was very small we used to play in a bush garden there. Then we moved to Hornsby, it was the old side. So opposite us was the Goulson Gorge. I was really horsey so I used to um, okay. borrow, I never had a horse in Hornsby, but I used to borrow friends' ponies as often as I could and ride around the, the fire trails and things and the streets, yep. suburban. Was that unusual? Um, no, because my girlfriends all had ponies and I guess that was my crew. And there was still big blocks of land in Hornsby. There mm-hmm. was room to have a pony. Then in the 70s, when I was eight, we went, um, came down here to a friend's farm at Ando, which, mm-hmm. and we lived there for a year. That's how I ended up coming back to Bibinlouk. So you, you're... Funness for animals was very early... early Yes, horses. Horses helped me. That made me a a painter Um, because I was good at drawing horses. I love drawing horses and I think practising drawing horses all the time. My first drawings were of of, um, horses and Mm. strangely girly girls, so that i'm not <laughs> oh right like the girl with a skirt a skirt like, yeah. yeah and jewelry i love painting drawing jewelry lots of yeah yeah bangles and jewelry and rings on people on horses yeah oh yeah. so girls with jewelry sitting on a horse yeah oh yeah right well that's a bit of like a fairy story type yeah, I guess of so. scene isn't it yeah so was this painting when you were young so you were painting from very young rather than just drawing or was this oh, drawing? drawing and painting Yes, early yeah. paintings yeah And when you were drawing horses, did you just draw them from your imagination or did you copy them from other drawings? Right, when I was little it was all out of the head and then when I was a teenager it was very photoreal. So from, yeah, absolutely, you know, the highlight on the eye and the whiskers and, yeah. And was that mainly drawing? Yeah, drawing, pencil drawing. And was that, did you learn how to do that just on your own or did you get books on it oh try. no no I, I i got the books on how to draw a horse where you do circles and draw yeah, them up. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway so no no that i had them but i never they didn't work so you you just drew from like a photo of a horse yeah photos yeah, yeah magazines yeah. um i was i'm quite dyslexic still and i'm not a good reader so to encourage me to read my steph my mum got subscriptions to horse magazines which meant that i could look at the pictures but i also used to read the the subtitles. Yeah, or subtitles yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. So that was good. That got oh, So you me. had those pictures to draw from. Yeah. So what it was high school like? Did you do art in high school? Um. Okay. I hated school. or <laughs> well, most of school. When I was when I was in primary school, I was in this horsey group, and we used to play horses. Like we'd pretend we we're horses or horse and riders, and we'd all gallop around at lunchtime. Mm. And we used to have sort of stables and things to put our horses in and put them away before we went into class then I got to high school and we couldn't play horses it was just it was awful it was like well what do we do you know it's just what do you do at lunchtime so you know I got fat and um and bored and I really struggled with school I didn't like it so I left school I did school um sorry I did art at school because that's what I was good at so that was the only subject I ever looked forward to and Left school at the end of year 10. And so, and, and what did you decide to do after that? Oh, because I was also quite shy and a bit slow. I also, because i come to the country and I'm not quite sure what year I was, I repeated a couple of years. I was a bit older than everybody else and um, for my slowness. And so, by the time I left school, um, I was really, really ready to leave. And anyway, I did graphic design because the folks didn't know, uh, they wanted me to do something. So, I was good at art. And rather than, I could have gone to Hornsby Tafe and done painting there, would have been a different, anyway, I went to Roundwick Tafe and did graphic design. And did you always think that that's what you were going to do as you were going through high school? No, I was going to go to the desert and round up Brumbies and, and, um, yeah. And why didn't you do that? I oh, still mine. <laughs> right. In fact, it's on the, the cards. Well, there's no, yeah, the horses in this Kosciuszko National Park, they're, they're about to cull all the Brumbies down there, so I might have a job down there getting Brumbies out of there. So you went to Randwick Tave. Yep. What was that like? Oh, I was good because it was all art. It was just, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I did I was good at illustrating, so I was quite good at those briefs. You know, I always had good good images, I guess. No good at the text. Then I got a job when I finished there as a graphic designer. I worked for um, nine years. I worked at the education department, the zoo and the powerhouse museum as a graphic designer mm-hmm. and um, that it was terrible because I was dyslexic. I'd lose text. I'd lose, I wasn't a good designer because I wasn't interested in design, mm. but I was quite good at, at illustrating. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, what, so what was it that What were the duties that you had to do that the dyslexia would cause a problem for? Oh, it was um, it was all cut and paste. It was pre-computers, so I just lose text. I guess I was look at the space between letters and not the letters. And so, what was the illustrative part of the job? Uh, Different um, at the education department was fantastic because there's lots of kids um, kits, and we'd illustrate pictures for that. And then at the zoo it was fantastic. I painted big murals. That was that was mainly all just painting down oh, there. What sort of murals? Were it was they? when the giant pandas came. So when people used to queue to see the giant pandas, we had these big graphics of the life of the panda, <laughs> and I painted mm-hmm. all these panda graphics. And so, what was the catalyst to decide to leave that job? Okay, I, the last job I had was at the Powerhouse Museum, and I was working really long hours, and I just felt unhappy. Very unhappy working, and I just thought I was sick of answering other people's briefs and I wanted to do something for myself. I was 27 and I just, yeah, I thought I'd go to art school, so I went to National Art School. And what was that experience like? What was National Art School like? Uh, art school was fantastic. Art school was every day, yay, art school. was like double art at school except all day every day. Yeah, um, I loved it. Um, I was really serious. I was a mature age and all, I just wanted to get the most out of all my teachers and as much as I could, I was so hungry and um, hopeless at my essays. They just awful, couldn't write a thing to used to pay friends to help me do that. I'd have a night and everyone come for dinner and I'd pay friends to help me write an essay. <laughs> and um, then, um, but the at the, the other time, same time, I had horses in the showground and I used to ride horses in the morning before going to art school. So I had a really good life. And so basically, yeah, just doing what you loved. Yep. And were you painting before you went to art school, right through, like when you were working? Um, I used to... Did I paint? No, I, I didn't do much. I did a bit of drawing and a bit of painting, but work was just so um, consuming. It, mm. it didn't mm. leave much time. I got really creative with the colour photocopier. I used to make um, cartoons and things. I used to draw rat cartoons. I had this character that I used to, when I was feeling not so good, put him in a position used to make me feel better and yes and then um yeah and then color copy him make lots of editions and give little books to people so when you first left art school what sort of things were you painting at that point do you remember the last year of art school when it was a more open brief I just painted horses Mm -hmm. it was my subject that I'd done as a kid something I knew really well and I was discouraged from doing it by a couple of painting teachers but that's all I wanted to do so I just did horses so when when I my grandmother died and I was keen to paint and I didn't have um, I didn't have the money I had a cleaning job and I used to get paid to uh, muck out horse boxes at the showground mm-hmm. so I didn't have a lot of money so I just turned the downstairs room at my Surrey Hills house into my studio so I just wanted to make little paintings in a small space that I could manage that weren't too expensive to make and um, I could cope with this small couldn't yeah Small space. Mm. Uh, anyway, so my grandmother died and I got her crockery. And so my first bunch of paintings that I made out of art school were teacups. Okay, so that was probably, was that the first time you sort of moved away from the horses? And yeah, that but that, I so. also put horses on the teacups, like mm-hmm. I, as a motif. So um, you started painting crockery. Yep. How did you get your first solo show? I was really keen... Um, to make it as a painter. I was really, I just thought, just do it. Other people left and got jobs or left and went overseas or just, I don't know. I just I just left and kept painting. And six months after, a friend of mine, Lorna Greer, and I shared uh, a student-run space in Commonwealth Street um, and had our first show. And it was fantastic. And I just invited everyone I knew, anyone who'd shown any interest in my art were invited. So people from the horse you know showground people from my old works family friends everyone it was huge and it was an almost sellout show and then you um you met ray hughes i first before i met ray i had a friend of mine jace said hey loose i've just started a gallery in newtown do you want a show with me and i said fantastic and he had a gallery called level gallery um and that was my sort of first commercial show, I guess. I had Mm -hmm. two shows with Jace. When I met Jace, I did say um, that I'd love to show with him, but I did want to show with Ray Hughes. There was a gallery around the corner I just loved, and I could just imagine I needed to be in the Ray Hughes gallery. Since I was at art school, I knew that's where I wanted to be. I had a shell show at Jace's gallery, and I invited Ray. I got brave, and anyway, Mm -hmm. he came around and said, yeah, I'll show you, so that was it. And so what, you just approached him and said and invited him or had you met him some other way oh no I was scared of him and I hadn't <laughs> met him and I quite like the girls who worked there so I used to go in not at openings but on quiet days and they used to invite me to come in and pack envelopes you know for openings and things like that oh, so okay. I was, and I could just hang out with them and made good friends with them so you joined uh, Ray's gallery in 1999 did he give you a lot of guidance in your career uh let me see No, (laughs) Um, Ray was fantastic, he let me do anything, whatever subject, I I never am short of a subject and I paint about myself and my environment and there's always something coming on and he was happy to show whatever I came up with, so he sold my work and he put my work out there, so that was, you know, that was the best boost for my job, but Mm, um, mm. he never directed me or encouraged me to go in any specific direction. Well, I suppose that's a positive thing in lots of ways, isn't it? Because yeah. then you've just got the freedom to do whatever you want, and you're encouraged yeah. along the way. Yeah, totally. And he was a great businessman. He always said, "How are you going for dough loose?" So he yeah. always paid. He's always good. He used to um, do his figures. He never slept. Made us for a bone. <laughs> <laughs> I should say at this point that we've got two gorgeous greyhounds in the room. One from Greyhound Rescue. And um, they're gorgeous dogs. Where's your puppy? Here you go. Is your toy. Great. Go on. Be hop. That'd be good to chew Conf- on. Confiscated. Um, yeah, so, and also, you painted Ray Hughes for the 2011 Archibald Prize, and it was chosen as, in, as uh, shortlisted, uh, and that was a fantastic painting, and um, it was basically of ray sitting uh ready to launch into eating a bowl of ice cream right i um i went to the year before i went to europe with ray um mm-hmm. and we spent i just bought i'd been in bib not very long and we were we spent a week in paris and uh with this in this little apartment and um we're sitting out on the terrace thing and Ray says, Where would you rather be? And I thought, well, Bibb and Luke actually. <laughs> <laughs> so um Why? Anyway, Well because I'm not I love home. I'm a homebody mm. and, and cities don't do it for me. You know, when I mm. lived in Sydney I had horses in the showground. I was always not in the city. I like a movie, like a band, but like food. But other than that, you know, I um doesn't suit me. So yeah. Paris, which is so Overpopulated, smelly, <laughs> and um, and quite you know it's quite grueling. You got to see so much, and being there with Ray, we had to see so much art. He was looking at German expressionists, so we we're going and seeing all these different dealers and poking around different joints. We never stopped. So anyway, I. I took my sketchbook and whenever, because it was with Ray all the time every day, so every meal, you know, would, we'd sort of have a chat about what we'd seen and then, it, I don't know, you'd just be sitting there. So I did lots and lots of drawings of Ray. Mm. And um, so Ray in Paris, which was that painting mm. with his bowls of, of gelato, was taken from a drawing that I'd done. And um, the colours were so great in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they raised pink, colours. Yeah, pink and yeah. white shirt. And, and can I take you back to 2014 when Mossman Art Gallery had a sort of major survey of your work? Yes, and it was called Eye of the Beholder. And I think I read somewhere that there were more than 20,000 visitors to that show, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> including <not>. me. <laughs> yeah, it was a blockbuster. <laughs> it was. Well there was over 130 works apparently. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty packed. Katrina Cashman, the curator was just fantastic. She's gorgeous, hot. She just did such a good job putting the show together and she really picked the teeth out of, you know, out of 17 years of my work. I think she did, did a great job. Yeah. And how did that come about? Um, I won the Mossman Prize in, I think, 2011, and it was Katrina's first year working at the Mossman, and we she we got on quite well then, and she always just had me in the back of her mind to do a bigger show. Oh, okay, so mm. it was her idea. It was her idea, it and was her baby, oh, yeah. okay, and who came up with the title she of did. the show? It's a great title, isn't it? How important is beauty to you? Oh, I love it. I love painting beauty. I want every, all the ordinary things are so beautiful and that's what I want in my paintings. You know, coat hangers, knitted coat hanger, get that, you know, the beauty (laughs) outfit or a teacup. Yeah. Yeah. Or a cactus. Yeah. Mm. Well, some of my favourite paintings in that show were the ones where you had collections of lots and lots of objects so, so yeah, they say the light globes the light globes but mm-hmm. the particular one i stood mm-hmm. in front of for mm-hmm. ages was the spark plug oh yeah good yeah. and i remember at, you know when you're an art student and you're sort of trying to analyze a painting you mm-hmm. think how did they do that right you know? and i i remember really noticing the way you dealt with the negative spaces in right. that painting. Right, that goes back to graphic design and the letters, the space between the letters. Right. So you look at the shape. In fact, Aida Temescu, who I had for, as a painting teacher... Um, she always used to say, and look at that space behind. It was, she always looked at the negative space. And I think my work actually is all about negative space and putting things together so they work together in a space. Mm-hmm. Right, the space between the objects rather than the object. And that was uh, they were boxes of spark plugs, plugs that came from um, Rosemount at Ando. So John Kimber, when I first came down here, he was cleaning out his pop shop, the his grandfather's old bits and pieces. And... Um, Boxes and boxes of wheel runners, spark plugs, padlocks—all those amazing things. Auto light globes. Right. I should actually explain that these paintings. There's there's like a hundred of them in the in mm. the paint. I should yeah. just so that the listener knows what I'm talking about. But so you, when you came across those objects, did you think, "Great, I'll take them." And just and did you then spend a lot of time arranging them? Okay, no, I paint one at a time. <laughs> so I just oh, arrange great. one and then get the next one and put it next to it and then add and the, it just grows. I start. I do all my paintings in one corner and grow, whether it be a landscape or a still life. Oh, that's really interesting because I was going to ask mm. I, you. I about don't that. put them all out together and try and ah. work it out. No. And do you paint as you go or would you draw it? No, first? I paint it completely, completely finish the one spark plug and then start. And if you look at my grounds, my grounds are always slightly different mixes because I haven't, I'm always mixing the background colour again. So as the painting moves up towards the top, moves um, the colours change slightly. I don't want you to see the last... I hate looking at paint on top of paint, and I love the edges to meet. So I like wet paint meeting, wet painting, wet paint, and that's um, so you never know did she paint the background last or the subject last. So it's always wet on wet. Mm, so tries to be. Mm. Right. I think another interesting thing with those paintings is that shadow colours are really interesting. Mm. They're beautiful blues and purples. Yeah, again, lovely. (laughs) Shadows are really beautiful. (laughs) And and colour, yeah, colours and shadows change. And I never try... I don't have uh, one color that I use. It's the same when I paint sky. Every time I paint a sky, I look at the color and think, what color is that? So even if I'm painting a whole bunch of spark plugs, every single shadow, I look at the color and I mix it and put it in. And sometimes I mix a different color. Because that shadow is different. Yeah. yeah. So maybe different time of day or different or maybe I'm just not seeing, seeing so clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and do you use always you use natural light? Would you ever use artificial light? Uh, right, I yeah, I always use natural light, I paint during the day. Okay. So you wouldn't go back paint. in the studio at no. night? No, completely different and wrong. Yeah. Mm. My eyes aren't good enough for night time. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And also you'd need certain globes i think to get the right light yeah no i I work during the day i rest Mm, at night mm. and do (laughs) you find you have the same colors on your palette like are there some colors on your palette that will always be there yeah my palette is pretty a limited palette it's always my primary colors uh a warm cool red warm cool blue warm cool yellow black and brown Mm. white yeah and then i mix everything from there I also buy, um, you know, there's colours that you just cannot mix. You cannot mix a good purple from red and blue. Red and blue makes purple but not a good purple. So you go and buy a good purple. So if you need a really good dioxide violet colour, then you Mm. go and buy it. Right, and then you might mix that with something. Yeah, Yeah. all my colours are mixed. Nothing goes on straight. Right. Black, you know, it's either a warm black or a cool black, so it's got a bit of blue in it or a bit of red in it. It's the same with the yellow. Nothing is yellow. Everything has colour in the yellow. So all my colours, nothing's straight. Everything white has always got a mix. Everything's mixed. Mm. And it's and it's according to what you see. Yeah, you're trying to match what you I see. I do. I want you to see. If I paint red sauce on hot chips, I want you to see the red sauce colour. Mm. Has to be exactly the right red, mm. and it doesn't come out of a tube. That's and that color. When when you're talking about color, that's um I think some of your paintings that most strike me for color is the cactus paintings. Mm. How did they come start off? Uh, okay, always had when I lived in Surrey Hills, had a very small backyard, and I've always been into gardening, so I had a uh, wall garden. You know when you Oh yeah I hammered all the pot pots onto. Uh, an upstanding wall so yes so all my yeah and it was cactus and succulents there and when I moved to Hartley when I won the Mossman Prize I built a big studio at my folks place at Hartley and behind there uh, around it I built a cactus garden and that was my next garden and anyway so one day I thought I'll paint my cactus and that just grew from there and Mm. um the colors when I want you to know, well, I'm in the Cactus Society and I want the people in the Cactus Society to know what type of cactus it is and so it has to have the right colour flower. Mm, so it's got to be accurate. Yeah. And you, you obviously like gardening. Yes. Has that been from an early age? Uh, since I, yeah, no. I, not when, when I grew up in Hornsby, I was just horsey and no gardens or anything. And then when I moved, to yeah, Surrey Hills, we started a garden. Oh, okay, which brings me to your landscape painting. Actually, at this point, I should point out that you've, you're a finalist this year in the Archibald, Win, and Solman prizes. So mm-hmm. congratulations thank, for that. That is a yep, great achievement. Big, yep, um, that must have been a bit of a surprise, was it? Yes. No, it was. Um, it was fantastic. I they were late telling us that we were hung and i actually was despondent and rejected it was not till late in the week that i got the phone call i couldn't believe it i thought of giving up painting again as you do when you're rejected and um yeah <laughs> everything changed oh so you hadn't been told about any of them until no late. i found oh. out about the win no the sulman prize on the wednesday and it wasn't till the thursday that i found out about and usually you find out on the sunday about an archibald prize oh so right I had no idea Oh, so that must have been doubly exciting. It was. Yeah. Terrific, yeah. yeah. And so in the wind, mm-hmm. your landscape painting is of this region. It here. is. It's, it's of Rosemount, the old farm where, where we used to be when we were kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so that was done all in? Um, there's plain... out in the hall when you walked in, there's a painting, and that was painted plein air. And it's quite, I I thought it was a good painting, so I just took it down to the studio and blew it up as a bigger painting. Yeah. So with the so if you can do a large landscape mm-hmm. like the one that's on the wall there. Yes. That was um, painted in my Hartley studio from the door and that was painted um yes from life. Right, from the mm. Actually um, I read somewhere that you did a lot of paintings and drawings of that landscape. Yeah painting Hartley, which yeah, is yeah. near Blue Mountain. Yes, that was my studio and that was the the format is actually the same format as the door and so I was actually inside comfortable with you know, coffee, music, um, (laughs) heater, whatever I needed, looking out the door, painting the view. And I painted that view for for two years. Did you? Hmm. That's a beautiful view. I can see why. Actually, I might take a photo of that later and put it on the website so people know what we're talking about Mm -hmm. Um, because that is a really gorgeous view. So do you have a preference to... From, you know, landscape versus still life versus portrait? No, uh, portrait's are hardest. It's really, if you paint a landscape and the tree's in the wrong spot, it still looks like a tree. Um, when you paint somebody's face and the eyes are too far apart, it's wrong. Mm, mm. It's, it's obvious, isn't it, mm-hmm. when it's not right? It's really hard. Yeah. So do you feel like gives you a bit more freedom when you're painting a landscape? I paint them faster, <laughs> so yeah. yes. But uh, no, just everything's different and it, it depends what I'm interested. When I was painting my garden, it was so exciting... You know, so I just had the easel out in the garden and I'd set up. If I didn't finish a painting in one setting, you know, one afternoon, because obviously the light changes, the sun moves or it's cloudy, I'd just come back and set up, go again the next day and finish it. Or if it took a week, you know, of rain, I'd come back and finish the painting then. So that... each, each sort of painting has its own job. Right. And so you mm. wouldn't necessarily take it back to the studio and keep working on it from oh, your no, imagination no, no, or anything like that? No, no, like never. I'm, I'm very unimaginative. Everything that I paint is look and put. It's exactly what I see. Mm. I'm very unimaginative. I do not make up compositions. Right. Yeah. Or add. If I add it, it's wrong. You know, you cannot put a, a highlight on something when you cannot if you can't see it. Yeah, yeah I, I know what it. you mean. I, it, mm. it makes it very difficult, doesn't mm. it? Hmm. It's like when you're in an, an art class and you're, you're trying to paint something, and then in the break you think, "Oh, just fix this, it, just wreck it." disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit and disaster. So no, no, and some works. So some works are more unfinished than others because I mightn't have had the time to put into it. Yeah. But when I finish, when I finish doing landscape, that's finished. So. Yeah. So with landscape painting, did you teach yourself landscape painting, or did you read books about it? No, no. Yeah, no. You just. It's like anything. You just look and see what it's doing. It's like when people paint, you know, clouds aren't white. And whenever I drive, I look, I'm a late driver too. I didn't drive till I was 40. Um, Anyway, when when I'm driving and I look at the sky, I think, oh, that cloud's a bit bluey grey or it's a bit browny grey. Depends if it's, you know, nearer or further. And how yellow is the cloud or how pinky is the cloud. And, um, yeah, I'm always looking at Mm. colour. And it's the same with if I'm painting a white cup, I look at... um, the whitest part is the reflective light and that's not even white because it's either a yellow white or a blue white
1: mm. and then
0: everything else has to be a darker tone. So a white cup yeah. is never white. So you're looking at the colour. So landscape's no different except the sky moves, you know, the sun moves so your shadows change. So you've got to plan where your shadows are going to be. I quickly draw them in paint in where they are. So if my painting changes too much, I, I know where the shadows fall so I don't have... Different shadows in my painting, right? Okay, um, on hills and things. Yeah, and um, you get better at that. Do you have any artists that you that used to inspire you when you were like starting off, or even now? Like, what artists? Oh, would okay. You... Um, I loved when I was at art school. I just loved the German expressionists. I loved the English fat painters. I loved Auerbach and Kossoff. I loved um, Susan Rothenberg. Her horse paintings because I loved horses. So when I was looking at horses, I keep thinking of her, and um, I still think about her when I when I paint my horses. Not that they look like her horses, but I try to have a feel. Um, and then, would you have books of theirs, like of their painting? I, ha- I do have a nice art book collection. I don't have a Roth- um, Susan Rothenberg book. That's a shame. Um, must get one. And a Soutine book. I'd love that too. Mm, mm. Um, but I certainly have um, Demon Corn and. Albach and um, Lucian Freud. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so I just yeah. I'm thinking when I'm looking off. <laughs> um, no, Lucian Freud. Actually, when I you was were trying saying... to, I was trying to look at my bookcase <laughs> through there. I was yes, imagining I it. I saw I saw when uh, when I was in England. Um not with Ray another time, but I saw a Lucian Freud show and to see that paint in your life is nothing to the you know, the books are just I crap. Know. So I just yeah. whoa amazing. Anyway, yeah. dry scumbly paint. Mm. Anyway, that mm. was good. Um but then I love, you know, my my I went to um Margaret Preston show here in Sydney um, where there was a whole bunch of monotypes um, oh, yeah. uh, what, are what are monotypes? It's when you do a one-off print when you paint on a piece of glass or perspex or wood or any surface metal and then you put it through a press so you just get one print from that surface so it's, a re- it's reverse and she did beautiful landscapes she did lots of things in monotypes mm. she used to just hand print them Oh, okay. herself and her studio. Uh, anyway, that made me go out and buy a big etching press because all I wanted to do was monotypes. So I did that for a while. There's a whole bunch of pigeon monotypes that came out of that. Oh, right. Um, and then... Um, yeah, so she and also her compositions, Margaret Preston's paint, her colours, her palette and her compositions, I always look at that. Mm. And Fred Williams, I love his landscapes, the space between the trees. Mm. Lots of it's heaps. And then, you know, living artists, people who I've actually gone away painting with, you know, I can't get... Sorry, I get so excited about and McLeod, you know, because you can hear him yeah. puffing while he's painting because he's painting so hard and fast. And he doesn't... <laughs> It just makes you want to paint hard too. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You could sort of feed off each other's energy, don't yeah, you? Yeah, or yeah. Or McLean Edwards, another mate of mine, watching him paint, it, you just you can't help but be inspired. Yeah, yeah. That's mm. no, great. I think you do get... Uh, and you. it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to paint like them, but you somehow get inspired by them. You get excited. You can't wait to get home and make your own paintings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's great. Okay, so animals obviously feature largely in your work and in two of your works, in the Outgate of New South Wales at the moment, there's a lot of pigeons. So in the Archibald entry and in the Sulman entry. Right right, right now, the subject, current subject I'm painting is my animals and I have a bunch of pigeons. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, and I don't just make a painting because I think, oh, that's a good painting idea for the Sulman Prize. It was a big painting. I wanted a subject that I'm currently painting. So the pigeons were what I was working on at the time. So that's why. Oh, okay. Yeah, why they came up. And I should point out that you've you've got a lot of animals. So what sort of animals have you got here? Oh okay, <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got four dogs, two lying with us now, uh six horses, three cows, forty two sheep, three goats, a pig. Um <laughs> A gorgeous pig, a uh, yes, huge gorgeous She's pig. Lovely. She's lovely. And they've eight. all got names. Tristan Honey's my pig. <laughs> um, okay, and then and everyone is out... I don't go out of my way to get animals. So I've got 64 acres here. I've got nice paddocks uh, for ponies and sheep. Um, so... We're probably full. I probably don't need more animals. But well, all my animals are potties. They've all been raised. Or they've had um, some disaster in their life and they're not wanted, so they end up here. So that's why my pigeons are here. My cockies, are all hand me down cockies when people die. they What do you do with Uncle so sos cocky? Uh, anyway, they come here. So what would a typical day be for you um, here? Okay, um, get up early. Jamie, my man, uh, has an earth working business so he he's up and gone by half past six so I get up at the last minute before he goes and join him for a coffee. Then I make up animal breakfasts and I'm out feeding animals and mm. then I come I feed myself. I do jobs that I have to do and by nine o'clock I'm in the studio. Um, uh, paint till lunchtime, come and have lunch, check the phone then I decide whether I go back down and do more painting or I might do some gardening or ride a horse or clean poo out of the chook house. Yeah, right. Whatever job that needs to be done. Generally, if I've got a deadline for a show, then I'll be back down to the studio painting for a few more hours. But if I'm a bit more relaxed, I'd probably say i do a good sort of three or four hours each day. And we don't... Jamie works on weekends too, so we don't take a day off. We might start a bit later on a weekend, but Mm. I'm still down in the studio for a few hours. Well, um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today, Lucy. Thank you. And thanks thanks for showing me around your wonderful place. And thanks for coming all the way down here. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And good luck with all the shows coming up. Thanks. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Lucy. Lucy has a solo show coming up at Beaver Galleries in November, which is in Canberra, and she's also got work included in a show opening at the National Portrait Gallery in Canberra, which is called the Popular Pet Show. She's also got another two solo shows coming up next year in Sydney and Brisbane, so go to the website for details of all of that. And if you'd like to have a look at a couple of short video clips I made when I was down at Bibb and Luke, just go to the Talking with Painters Facebook page and you can see a glimpse into Lucy's studio and also um, get to meet some of the animals on her property. Looking forward to you joining me for the next episode of Talking with Painters.